The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. If you want, you give me a call. All you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Give me a call. And uh, let's see what else we got going. We got a lot of stuff going on. Now, uh, sorry, I got a little bit late in. I got buried. I had to clear the cache on my uh, browser, and I forgot that it wiped out all my login information on stuff. So I had the last minute I had to get in there and get back in there. All right, so uh, today's going to be a little bit of an unusual uh, call because I have a friend, uh, Andrew Rappaport, and I'm going to introduce you to him in a little bit. He'll tell you about himself. He knows about Jewish stuff, Hamas, what's going on in Israel. We thought we'd be good to talk about that, and so that's what we're going to do. Let's get him on the air right now. Uh, Andrew, you there? Hey, brother, how are you? Doing all right, man. How are you doing, buddy? Good, good. Yeah, you know, it is Friday. We should really start with, I, I should, I want to take my shot at doing some hate mail. See how good I could be at, at rating for hate mail if I was to write hate mail for you. I don't know. Well, you, you, <laughs> well, you could try, but uh, there's some real experts out try. there. Yeah, there's some real <laughs> experts out there. But, uh, uh, folks, we've, uh, Andrew and I, have how long? 15 years, I guess? I don't know. Uh, we've done shit a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Well, more, more than nine, because it, it took nine years for you to ethically buy me a meal. Ethically. Oh, that's true. It, that's embarrassing thoroughly. It was great. <laughs> yeah, there's a, the, the joke is that uh, he would always outsmart me, and he would. He would always outsmart me buying a meal. We'd go to someplace together, and I'd get it 20 minutes early to go pay the check. He'd already paid it. I mean, you know, all of a joke all the time. And then uh, one day, his 100th uh, show for uh, something on YouTube he was doing, and I had... Uh, Apologetic uh, Live. It was the 100th, anniversary, 100th episode right. of Apologetic Live, and you were That's on. Right. <laughs> That's right. I was on, and what I had done was uh, I had ordered for you uh, what uh, sushi and had it delivered yeah. to your house, and you, when you moved, you forgot that I, uh, you know, I'm slick, and you gave me your, your address, and I sent it to you, and on air... You uh, had to admit that I finally got you, and it was epic. It was great, so it was a lot of fun. It was, it, yeah. it was epic. I, I I ate it in front of and in front of everyone to see that yes, you got me a meal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Finally, did people loved it? It was, it was an ongoing thing that you were beating well, me for for years. All right, yeah. so uh, let's get into the issue here of what's happening in Israel. And why don't you introduce yourself? I know um, you know you are. I'm going to use the word loosely Jewish. And uh, you can explain about that. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I was raised Jewish, bar mitzvah, uh, you know, 10 years of Hebrew school. And, you know, one of the things in Hebrew school is, uh, you know, we would we would learn, they would, they would teach us, and I know you know this, Matt, but they would teach us the, to look for the signs of the next Holocaust. And I've used that for years to say that there will be a Holocaust here in America. It will just be with Christians and not the Jewish people. But uh, I have studied, right. you know, Israeli history for years. Uh, my father was part of the Zionist movement. If you are not familiar with that, that was the, the movement that uh, you know looked to create the, the the state of Israel in 1948, uh, and it continued on afterwards to you know in those the, in many years to keep that state uh, what it is and to, to keep the you know basically the, the 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 constant warfare that is going on over there and. 
a lot of people have been asking with what's going on with Israel, like, what, what, what's the big deal with Gaza? Why, why is Hamas doing this? And there's a lot of sympathy, as you see in the news, for the Palestinians. And there's a lot of misinformation that's, that's really out there that a lot of people don't know because they don't study, you know, Israeli history, Israeli politics. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, like one of the things, Matt, a lot of people are talking about is that the, the people in Gaza are being oppressed by the, the nation of Israel. And, uh, you know, one of the things I often ask people is to say, who owned the land that we call Israel before 1948? And, and most people think there was a state called Palestine. <clears throat> but it was owned by, it was a territory of the United Kingdom. It's the United Kingdom after the Holocaust that decided, you know, with all the Israel's, Israelis returning to Israel and wanting to have an Israeli, uh, a state of Israel, uh, that the UK is the one that gave that land over. And there were beef fighting that went on. There was, you know, a six-day war and, and, and whatnot that they, they got their, their land masses. And as happens in war, sometimes people get displaced. That, that often happens during, during warfare. The, the people that were in Gaza, um, you know, people may hear the names Hamas, that's in Gaza, um, the, they, they're the ones who run the government there. And people say, well, they're, they're being oppressed. In 2005, Israel, in, in an agreement, had left Gaza. They walked away. They don't run Gaza. So when you hear people talk about the the oppression that's happening to the people in Gaza, that's from their own government. Israel, Israel provides water and electric to Gaza. Now, <laughs> the Palestinians are supposed to be paying for that, but they haven't paid the bill. So they're, they're getting free water and free, uh, free electric. And when you, we talk about water, you have to understand that place is a desert. You, you look at all the Arab countries, it's a desert. Uh, and, People are saying, hey, you know, it's not, it's not fair that these people are not being allowed to go in and live in, in Israel and take, take, you know, they're being, they're, and they are trapped, okay? They're, there's water on one side of Gaza, the other side is Israel, but there's also a third, there's a third area, a third border, and that's Egypt. And what you don't hear the media talk about is the fact that Egypt was asked to open a gate so that the Palestinians can, can go into Egypt, and they said no. So you have this a mass area of Muslim countries. When you look at Israel, Israel's the size of New Jersey. It's, it's relatively small, especially compared to all of the Arab states. And none of the Arab states are taking these Palestinians in. So the question that has to be asked is why? And it's a really simple thing to think about. It's, it really does come down to oil. <laughs> you know, it, it's a fact that many countries get their money or their oil from the Middle Eastern countries and that those countries get their money from all these other countries, the U.S. and, and elsewhere. And so it's a simple thing. The other countries prefer to keep peace in there. Now, Matt, you're old enough to to remember, I'm sure, the, the Iran-Iraq wars. That went on for decades. And that was what the Middle East was like. They were warring against each other. But in 1948, when Israel became a state, there became a common enemy. 
all the Arab countries don't necessarily get along, but they stop fighting with one another, focus their fighting on one area, a small little area the size of New Jersey. And what ends up happening is you have a, a sort of peace in the Middle East with all the Arab countries by having them funnel in all their attention in, in Gaza and the West Bank, two areas that were part of the land of Israel that Israel has given over to uh, territories that, known as Gaza and the, and the West Bank. They're, they're, they're controlled by, by their residents. Uh, where the, the, the Palestinians that live in Gaza are not allowed to enter into Egypt to work, but they are allowed to enter into Israel to work. The only thing, and Matt, I know you're going to really appreciate this. You probably want us to do this here in this country, but the one thing they have with the people who come in, the Palestinians that come into Israel, they're not allowed to vote. Right. So we, we wish that would be in the case in our country, right? <laughs> the immigrants yeah, that are coming in illegally... More. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can come in, you just can't vote. Right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But well, that, the Dems, you know, they, yeah, the Dems are lying sacks of crap and they want everybody to vote so <laughs> they can get their power. Sorry, but that's what is going on. Yeah. But anyway, back yeah, to well, Gaza. Yeah. 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 And, and if you want proof of that for, for the audience to know, I mean, this is one thing, unfortunately, Republicans are never really good at doing too often, but they did one thing when Barack Obama was president. Barack Obama wanted to give amnesty to all the illegal immigrants that were here in America. The Republicans actually passed a bill that Barack Obama vetoed that gave him everything he asked for except for one thing. The immigrants that got amnesty could not vote for 20 years. And he vetoed it. That tells you that it was all about the vote then. Oh, yeah. um, and, and that's a lot of what they want there. They, they, they want to have Battles going on, right? Iran funded what happened on on Saturday. They've admitted to it. Hamas has admitted to it. Uh, and just keep in mind that our government freed up $6 billion that was given to Iran to use. And and Iran is now saying, okay, well, we helped fund this, this attack. Uh, now, quite thankfully... That money's been refrozen by our government, but it took a little bit of pressure for that. But the thing is, is that you have governments like Iran, like Russia, like all these other countries that are willing to fund the war that goes on with Israel. And every time that Israel gets bombed, and this has been going on for years, where either in the West Bank or Gaza, they shoot some missiles into Israel, Israel shoots a couple of missiles back, and, and then people say, okay, okay, everyone calm down and it settles down it it's usually at the time that they need a, a when when hamas or whatever is up for an election <laughs> they shoot the missiles in and say see we're the ones fighting the enemy and, and what you have to understand is that this is a very different culture than the western culture the, the western culture we we believe in life because of our, our christian jail christian values life is important and we value human life. And if you listen to what the, the Palestinians and those that are supporting it are saying, they don't. I mean, it's their own words. If you watch Al Jazeera, they're calling for death. They want their own people to die to further the, the political agenda. Um, that's a very different way of thinking. And, and this is the thing I think, for, especially for Americans, 
to recognize is that we have a value for life and we, we want to see people be treated because they're made in the image of God. But you're dealing with a group of people who they, they put their military weapons and barracks and all in hospitals, in schools, in residential areas. So when they do get bombed, they, they oh, look at all the innocent life. In, in fact, Israel, after the attack on Saturday, was sending actually sending messages to everyone's phone in Gaza saying, get out of these buildings, we're going to be bombing them. And the, the Palestinian government was saying, no, stay, don't, don't you leave. They know it's going to get bombed, but they, it's almost as if they want the casualties to show on the media. Right. And people say, well, can you negotiate with this? Well, let's examine it. They, they went into an, came into, the, into Israel in, a, in an unprovoked attack. And if people want to say, well, they're, they're oppressed, and this is why they did it, they didn't go after military sources. They didn't go to the, the, the military barracks. They, they went to a music festival. They went to kibbutzes. Now, a kibbutz, many people don't, may not know what a kibbutz is, but basically a kibbutz, they're living off the land. You're, you're living there. You're a little community. Take care of yourselves. You, you grow your own hey, food. Hold on. I, I, used to, I stayed in one once when I went to Israel. Um, look, we got a break. So hold on, okay? We'll, get, we'll uh, get back to you, all right? Hey, folks, if you want, you give us a call, 877-207-2276. you want to talk about this issue, please uh, give me a call. We'll be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. We're on the air here with Andrew. Andrew, you still there? Yeah, so you you stayed in a kibbutz. Yes, I did. Uh, it was by the uh, by the, the Sea of Galilee, and um, we went there. Uh, you know, on the first tour I was in Israel, and it was really nice. Uh, we had our own little room, a nice little place. They told us what was going on. They treated us very nicely, very, very well. And I remember it uh, favorably. It was great. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, that's that's they went in. You know, the kibbutzes are like a little self-contained uh, community. Mm-hmm. They they really don't have involvement so much with you know, political things or, or military things. And yet they went, what they did on you know, Saturday was to go into, they paratrooped into a music festival, um, taking hostages. The, the numbers that I've been hearing uh, is from both sides is, is close to a thousand people that they took hostage. They were taking women and children. They were going through a kibbutz and just taking, you know, people from there that weren't fighting, weren't weren't part of the military. So this was not a military thing. And we have to understand that because if you're going to say, well, we were feeling oppressed, then you'd fight against the Israeli government. What they've done is they've taken hostages and brought them back into Gaza. And if you read the reports, I mean, Many women were were not treated well. You know, this is on the. I didn't care whether you were American or you know. There's the one German woman that was literally 
R word to death, uh, and they paraded her body around. They brought her body in to, to show it in Gaza. Um, they they were they beheaded fourteen baby uh, forty babies that they took pictures of, and sh- like what is a baby going to war? No, this was an an act to try to to really demoralize the Israelis and get them to just back down. What do they do? They ended up taking the hostages and hiding them in all the areas to say, Hey, if you, if you retaliate, we're going to kill these hostages live on air. So when you hear people calling, well, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta negotiate and we gotta, you know, not retaliate and get along. How do you get along with people that have no respect for human life? And this is one of the things you have to understand is that when the first time I was in Israel 38 years ago, I learned that really the, the Palestinians, the Arabs that live there, they're raised, some, many of them raised generation after generation to believe that everything that is wrong in their life is because of the state of Israel. It's because of Israel that everything is wrong. And really, it's, it's their own government who is not giving them the, the things that are needed. Their own government takes the funds that are given for aid and keeps it for themselves to keep themselves in power. And we're seeing, it, and it's amazing how the, when this first happened, Matt, I know you study this stuff, you study the politics, you study history, and you look at this and see how quickly they went from we're going to stand with Israel to it's Israel's fault. Israel was attacked unprovoked. They didn't attack military. They attacked people, kidnapped them, take them back to Gaza, uh, uh, who were just enjoying a, a festival, a music festival. And, and people are saying, well, you got to negotiate with them. It, it's hard to understand the prejudice that, people would have generation after generation being taught that everything that's wrong in your life is because of some other country, you're not going to negotiate with them. And I, I think a real reason what the fear is with this and the reason this happened when it did is because, and many people don't know this because it wasn't really touted too much, but we had a president, Donald Trump, who managed to you know, negotiate four of the six peace treaties that have been done with Israel in the Middle East. He did four of them in his four years. And the, re- the way he did it was different. Everyone said you couldn't negotiate peace. He did something different that no one else did. Everyone tries to get peace negotiated with Israelites and their enemies. What he did was he started with the friendly countries. He was working with friendly countries to do peace deals with the hope that it would start to snowball and more and more would happen. Well, there was a peace deal being worked with Saudi Arabia. That was before Saturday. And if Saudi Arabia would have signed a peace deal, that would have been one of the, that would then be the biggest country to have a peace deal with Israel. And I think that countries like Iran had fear of that because then they end up losing some of the political power that they all have of being enemies with Israel. And there, there's a 
a vested interest for these countries to have war in Israel, but you notice that they're not getting themselves involved. Like these countries will support it. And what happened on, on Saturday is that Hamas called for the whole world to come in, the whole Arab world to come and fight all at once and put an end to it. And thankfully, we haven't seen that yet. Right. Thankfully, the other countries haven't come in. But what you're seeing is you see countries like you know Iran or Iraq or the others who will fund these groups, let them go fight, let them get attacked back by Israel, but they don't get themselves dirty with it because they're, I think a lot of the goal that we have to understand is that they keep their own peace by letting others fight against Israel. And you have to understand with this, what's going on there, that's a big part of it. They're getting funded to keep this going, Hamas and Hezbollah. Hezbollah is the group that's in the West Bank. And Hezbollah is actually more of a danger because of the fact that they're, they're closer to the capital. When we look at it, you have a lot of people who uh, are being taken hostages right now. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of people killed hundreds to maybe even thousands that are hostages and they're trying to say, well, Israel shouldn't go and get those people back. And Israel's been doing everything they can to say, you know, what? we, we value life. And this is the thing I think that a lot of people, even in, in Americans don't really understand. I mean, Matt, you know what it's like online. I, I changed my profile picture on Facebook to be the, the Israeli flag. I had people that told me that I'm part of a cult, that I'm a racist because I put a flag up there. Now, you and I saw plenty of people that did that with the Ukrainian flag. No one accused them of that. Everyone supported Ukraine fighting back when when Russia attacked them unprovoked because they wanted you know oil. And so what did people do? Say, well, they have a right to defend themselves. But when it comes to Israel, suddenly it's somehow different. Why? Why is it different? I think it all comes down to oil. If you you remember when Barack Obama was president, there was the issue that occurred in Syria. Well, hold on. And, you got another break coming up, and it's a good place to stop for the moment. And uh, we'll be right back, okay, buddy? So, uh, folks, we're talking with Andrew Rappaport. He'll introduce himself a little bit more later in the show, what his ministry is and what he does. But we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We're on the air with Andrew Rappaport, and uh, we'll do the one more segment, and then we'll get to the callers who are waiting uh, after that. We'll just get on different callers on different topics. We'll do this one last segment with Andrew, who is, uh, well, Andrew, why don't you just introduce what you do, what your ministry is really fast, and where they can get a hold of you. Yeah, sure. I'm with a ministry called Striving for Training Ministries. We're, we're very much aligned with CARM.org, a great ministry that you should check out is CARM.org. If you haven't been to CARM's site, I'm not saying that you have to go to CARM.org to get to heaven, but why take the chance? Just saying. Right. 
<laughs> no, but we do a lot of similar things. We do we, we focus a little bit more on discipleship, where Carmen's focused a little bit more on apologetics, but um, we do a lot of similar things. We we do podcasts together and things, and so um, yeah. And 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 know since I know you have listeners who uh, consider themselves Black Hebrew Israelites, or now they just go by Hebrew Israelites. Yeah. You and I talk about that a bunch. There's people will say I'm a fake Israelite um, because I I'm from the tribe of Levi. Uh, actually, I'm specifically what's called the Kohine or, or Kohine, and it's the family that would be taking care of the the temple elements. And we, we the way they know that is after the temple was destroyed, they they write down the the genealogies because it was important to them. And so my family tree would be of of the Levites. Um, so. It's it's been a thing where uh, Israel's always been important. You and I both uh, this past year got to go to Israel together and see the land. And when you think about that, Matt, you know how important was water when we were there? Critical. I mean, it was critical. Yeah. It's everywhere outside of Israel. It's a desert. Yes, it is. And yet Israel has the technology to to irrigate and water the land, and, and it's. It's a fruitful area in the midst of a desert. And that's one of the things that many don't like because Israel is self-sustaining. They, they have the technology. They worked hard on the technology. And, you know, when you look into Gaza, if, if you go and you check some of the, what was going on, they were ripping up the pipes that Israel put in for water mm-hmm. and using those to launch missiles. Mm-hmm. And then they now they come out and say that Israel's being the big meanies because they're not providing water. Well, <laughs> the Palestinians destroyed, at least the Palestinian military destroyed the water, the way of de- delivering water so that they could shoot missiles into Israel who is providing them with the water. That's what, what you have that you're dealing with there. Right. And I remember when I was in Israel a, a, a years, many years ago and we went into, uh, I think it was Palestine, um, we were on the bus, and as soon as we, we crossed the wall, uh, the terrain was different. Underdeveloped, dirty, trash everywhere. But in Israel, clean, organized. The, it was a world of difference, and it really shocked me. had no clue about it. But when I saw that, it was like, oh, my goodness. It was night and day. It's the culture that is um, well, so bad. You know? Well, and you remember when we went into, when we left Israel, into the the Palestinian areas this last time that you and I were there together. Remember, we'd see those huge houses. Those houses were owned by, you know, basically the Palestinians that have lived more in America, but have family there. And they buy these huge mansions because they can afford it and can live like kings out there, but they don't stay there. They're not there all year round, right? right? But you're right. It's And that's a big thing is that the... The economic difference between the two is is so vast. And what people don't understand, they want to blame Israel, but none of the Arab countries, I mean, go look on a map. Anyone who's listening, go look up on a map right now and just look at that area, look at the size of Israel, look at the size of the Arab world, and you end up realizing there's plenty of Arab states that could easily take all the Palestinians and give them homes and give them land where they could have not in Israel, but they don't do that. They actually refuse that. And it's, it's because they want to have this battle going on. They want that right. to happen. 
Hey, we've got a caller here. Let's get to the caller. Um, let's get to uh, Duke. I'm going to add you in here, Duke. Uh, Andrew's on the phone. You want to ask him a question? I don't know if you can hear me, Duke. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we can hear you now. All right, so... Yes, I got you now. Um, apologies. No problem. It's okay. So you have a question for Andrew? Um, I, 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 yeah, and it, allow me to get to it real quick, if I may. I was, I was disappointed to hear him cite, uh, and it's frankly a, a propaganda term, about the 40 beheaded babies. And we've seen where the reporter that first broke that, um, I think her station was like A24 in Israel. I could be wrong. I'm driving, so I can't look it up on my phone right now. But she has since disavowed that reporting, and the Israeli government has disavowed it. And, Interesting. you know, as he spoke a bit about Ukraine and some of the differences, I don't know anybody on my side or people that I associate with that blindly supported Ukraine against Russia, you know, Let's because the of the, the actions of the Ukrainian government in the Donbass yeah. for so many years. Yeah. Let's so, stick with the is- Israel you know, Gaza it's stuff common right truism now. that... Sure, absolutely. The The first casualty in warfare is the truth. And, again, this is not a defense of Hamas. You know, what they did was atrocious, uh, atrocious and horrendous. But it's beyond interesting that the entire Israeli intelligence community missed all of the indicators from logistics, communication, staging, movement, for this attack, and we've seen a tremendous amount of emotion to whip up support for Israel to go in to clear out Gaza, and we've seen, disappointingly, a lot of calls from prominent Jewish leaders on social media for what is essentially genocide in Gaza. And... I think it's important that in the context of this, that we well, yeah. we try to avoid a lot of these emotional appeals yeah. and stick to it. And I'm okay, wondering on. what his give, thoughts are we, on we got a break how did Israel up. miss all of this? We have all the protests that are going on around the world, even here in, in the United States. Why are they calling for death to Israel? Why are they calling for and, and to wipe out Israel? Israel's not calling for a wiping out of the Arab world or even of Gaza. They, they, they were never asking for that. But, but when you see these protests, they're, they're the ones asking for genocide. They went into a country, and, and you, ask about, you mentioned the, the, the intelligence failure. Why, what was our government doing? Our government's supposed to be one of the elite in intelligence. Were we too focused on uh, trying to find supposed domestic terrorists of January 6th people that, and, and to see how we could find a way to, to get Trump to be guilty of something that we were not paying attention to the rest of the world? So the, the, when you say it's propaganda, I, I would say, are you, are you falling into the propaganda of the Marxists that want to continue this? Because when you listen to what they're saying on Al Jazeera, they're calling for the eradication of Israel. That's genocide. Israel is not saying okay, for the eradication of Gaza. That's that's only coming from Palestinians who are saying that. Hold on. Netanyahu hasn't said that. Hold, hold on. If, if I may respond to that, I am not defending anyone 
protesting for the eradication of Israel. Absolutely not. And as far as the American intelligence failure, I completely agree that the Patriot Act has been abused and their focus is the wrong place. But the failure of U.S. intelligence on this notwithstanding, the Israeli intelligence apparatus is, is quite significant, especially there in the Levant. And the claims that they completely missed this when we've had U.S. congressmen come out and say, no, we've, we've had it covered in a brief that they were given warnings prior to. I'm saying cool, it's right. a completely valid no, question they were given, to say, yeah, they how were given, did they miss well, this? Well, me, and at the same time, the... We've got about one minute, guys, really before quick. before the break, yeah. so, so, so we wrap it up and then so, we're going to go. Yeah, there was, there was very general responses, just like we knew 9-11. We knew that they were targeting planes to u- be used as bombs, but we didn't have the details of it. We didn't know we were caught off guard with September 11th the same way. Much of what's going on with in Gaza is that it was all done underground, and so they weren't able to see what goes on underneath the ground that that was a big part of the surprise of it and using tunnels and things like that it it was there was an intelligence failure and i think that israel needs to get to the bottom of that but that when you talk about the genocide it is propaganda to say that it's the israelis that want that want to eliminate the gaza that's the propaganda because they're not calling for the eradication of gaza but the palestinians are calling for the eradication of israel so when you talk genocide, you got the wrong side on that. And and hey, you, I mean, there's a break. Not here there's the music, guys, 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 guys. There's the music. We gotta go. Absolutely. We gotta go. Thanks for having so, me on that. Thanks for your time. Yeah. yeah. Hey, appreciate it. Hey, call back. <laughs> we can talk some more about it sometime. Hey, folks, we're out of here. But the Lord bless you. Oh, we got one more break. That's right. Got a break, and we'll be right back yeah. after these messages. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. It's me, Matt Slick, and uh, that was an interesting conversation. I want to thank Andrew again for coming on, and uh, if you want to get a hold of him, just uh, his ministry is Striving for Eternity, Striving for Eternity. Just check it out, and you can uh, get the information there. So we have, uh, let's see, we have uh, Jeff waiting, but it's not activated, so I can't click on him. So let's get to Chara next. Chara, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, Matt. I just have a question. Um, Sure. I don't know if you've ever watched the, it's a series, it's called The Days of Noah. No, I haven't. Who puts it out? Well, so it goes through... There's four parts, and um, it goes from the beginning of Noah clear till right now in Revelation. And basically, okay. what it's saying is there's a parallel, parallel, parallel. I um, can't pronounce it. Um, so between the days of Noah and the final judgment. Mm-hmm. And in the part three is the question what I have. So in the series, they put up all the verses, which I went along with it in the Bible and read and on my own and stuff. And that's what I'm calling. Uh, 
So, in the part three, it talks about how the Roman Catholic Church changed the Sabbath Oh. To Sunday. It's put out by Sunday Adventists, right? Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. The, the SDA is basically a cult, and so you got to be very careful um, with what they they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, the, what they're saying is that the Roman Catholic Church changed changed no, the, didn't. the Sabbath day to Sunday, and yeah, no, it didn't. Now modern Christians that, who are practicing church on Sunday right. is following the mark. <laughs> right, yeah, and that's a, it's a ludicrous uh, claim. Uh, basically, it's stupid. Um, the SDA group, uh, started by Ellen G. White, um, says that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Uh, some believe in the Trinity, some don't. Some teach you got to be, uh, you can only worship on Saturday. If you worship on Sunday, then you're going to hell. Uh, they have good dietary uh, rules and stuff like that. That's great. And there's a lot of debate about the issue of salvation in them because um, uh, they teach uh, the issue of the investigative judgment where salvation is based in part on what you've done. And then there's the issue mm-hmm. of Satan being the sin bearer who uh, are said to be cast upon him and he'll be, he'll be cast out, They, t- they uh, which is false, which is heresy. And they teach uh, annihilationism, that the dead uh, cease to exist in punishment, which is another false teaching. So it, it's not to say that they can't get some good stuff in there on that documentary, but it's a it's an SDA thing, and uh, I just can't recommend anybody follow or study anything in the SDA group. Okay, you've been so proud okay. by them because they're putting that stuff. And, and look, see, they here's here's something I can use very quickly and very easily to refute this idiocy. And, and it just makes me mad. That's why I call it idiocy, because it is. Uh, this idea that uh, the Roman Catholic Church changed the Sabbath to Sunday, and if you worship on Sunday, blah, blah, blah. All right, so here's what uh, the Bible says in First uh, Corinthians 14. He says, One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, it, it goes on. It says, Whoever observes a day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. Now, this is Romans 14, 5 through 6. I ask SDA people, I say, Look, if Saturday is the day you're supposed to worship on, why does Paul say that it, you make up your own mind about it? Why does he not say mm-hmm. you have to uh, worship on Saturday? He doesn't do that. And then they give me lame excuses for this. But that right there just shows that they're wrong. So. There's a lot more I could say about SDA, and uh, it's it's just I wouldn't put too much credence to what they say about the um, the seventh day, the no, days of Noah thing. It might be accurate in a lot of areas, but I just don't know. In fact, uh, when I know I'm going quickly here, but when I was at uh, religious uh, National Religious Broadcasting Network, I don't know four years ago or so, um, I the, the SDA had a booth there, and there's that bald-headed guy. I'm not mocking him. I don't care. But I just remember that's what he's basically baldish. And uh, receding hairline, whatever. And he's the guy who does all the the uh, the talks. And I saw him, and I walked up to him, and I talked to him. And I said, "Look, my name's Matt, and I'm a Christian apologist. I'd like to have a, uh, a discussion with you on on some SDA doctrines, particularly on salvation." And he said to me, "Not interested." Now I, I, I said to him, "The Bible tells you to give an answer to everyone who would ask you." I said, "I'm not some average guy." I said, "My website's big. I do radio, etc. I've written books." I said, "I want to talk to you about this," and he just refused. So the SDA are not into, generally speaking, they're not into anything of debate where their views can be cross-examined and held up against Scripture. 
So I, I would recommend you stay away from them uh, and and, and uh, not trust what they say. Okay. Sorry, but that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. But if you were to want to know about the days of Noah, I would go to Answers in Genesis and see what they have to say. They're a, a much better group, okay. and uh, that, that's what I would go with. Now, it does say, as, the days of Noah, as it was the days of Noah, so shall it be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Now, that's Matthew 24, Luke 17. And there's going to be problems that are coming back. We know that. We have a lot of problems in the world. But um, for now, uh, I would just say don't put too much credence in what the SDA is saying. Okay? Okay. okay. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, God bless. All right, let's get to Jeff from Iowa. Hey, Jeff, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? Hey, doing all right. Hanging in there, man. What do you got, buddy? Oh, that's great. Me too. Me too. Great Friday. Um, so my question for you is, Matt, um, and sorry if I'm inarticulate. I, I can't believe I'm sorry. talking to the great Matt Slick right now. Um, <laughs> Wish my wife thought that. Pretty much my question is, what are your thoughts on the decline of Christianity in the Western world? And, you know, like, first off, what do you think is the cause of the decline of Christianity? The decline of the of Christian faith is, uh, I, I suspect, it's just an opinion that's not been tested or researched, that it has to do with creature comforts in Western civilization that have uh, made Christians apathetic to uh, the, the, uh, the world. And that combined with the rise of secularism and its mockery and attack on Christianity has caused a lot of Christians to uh, not do much. And there I throw a third thing out. I don't believe enough pastors and teachers are, pastors and elders are doing their job in churches, equipping the Christians for the work of ministry, but they're babysitting and teaching mamby-pamby theology. And so Christianity is on the, on the decline. And uh, some people call America uh, post-Christian. Uh, I don't call it post-Christian. I call it anti-Christian. That's where I, I believe we're at. Okay? Hmm. Okay. Um, also, I was just wondering if, you know, you had any ideas on what the solution to that would be and how oh, yeah. we would maybe get back into an era where Christianity is more popular and maybe on the rise. It's easy, but it's not easy. What we're supposed to do is focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and get on our knees and ask God to cleanse us of our sins and teach us the things we need to repent of. And then what we need to do is start loving one another as Christians so that the world can see that we are followers of Christ. John thirteen thirty four. the world will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. And the love that we have for one another is conditional and it's, um, it's partial. And the world recognizes doesn't see much difference between the Christian faith and secularism in a lot of areas. And if Christians would start picking up their cross daily and following after Christ and living sacrificially, then God will bless the truth of the love that's reflected in their own hearts from that source, which is Christ himself. The world will see it. And uh, along with this, the truth of who God is needs to be taught by the pastors and elders. They need to teach doctrine. And uh, we need the doctrine of love. We need the doctrine of Christianity and, and uh, of God and things like that. And if that were to happen, uh, the world would uh, would change. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah. 
that's what it is and if Christians would just believe the Bible and start doing what it says but they don't I mean, send, disciples, send so you, people out into the world. So you would make say disciples. it's an issue of Christians getting too content, maybe, or just not putting in enough effort um, to show their faith? I, my opinion is they're not believing the Word of God completely. They're, mm. They are gathering teachers to... Look, let's put it this way. Uh, I teach... I teach truth best I can. I'm not saying pastors and elders don't do that. And I know a lot of good pastors and good elders who teach a lot of good, solid things and are good, godly people. But unfortunately, they're the exceptions. But if, you know, if there was a church of a thousand people where the music was great, everything was great, the messages were comforting, and over ten years this church grew from zero to to a thousand, and then they said, Matt, could you come in and preach for six months? Well, the pastor's recovering from whatever. I say, sure. I'd say, but I'm going to preach uh, biblically. Do you think the church would grow, or do you think it would reduce in size? I believe it would reduce in size. And maybe it's because of my bad preaching and my horrible uh, personality, maybe. But I would suspect that it would be uh, because I would do th such things as on Wednesdays we're going to have classes on how to equip you with the doctrinal knowledge you need to be able to answer people. We're going to have classes on how to do a marriage counseling. I'm going to teach you theology of the, the theology of marriage so you can work in other people's lives. We're going to get groups together who go out into the neighborhood looking for opportunities to serve people with no money received. Where it might cost you how to fix cars, mow lawns, and do whatever, and we're going to start reaching out. We're going to equip our Christians and reaching out for people in the ministry, and we're going to f set it up so that we have like maybe once a month we have a barbecue or something wh where the everybody from the area is just invited, and we don't preach at them. We just let them know we're here for you. This, I believe this is the kind of stuff that needs to be done. And uh, would, how many Christians would sign up for that? Not everybody could do that, of course. You know, I mean, there's elderly and young and and the infirm and things like that. And people were just plain old scared. And, and I get that. But there's enough people in churches where this should be happening on a regular basis. All over America. It should be happening. It's not. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for your input, Matt. It's always great hearing from you, buddy. Okay. Sure. Now call my wife up. Tell her how great I am, because you said the great Matt Slick, so you have to, you know, let her know how great I am. I'm always, right. uh, always working it. Huh? We love you, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> well, God bless whoever that is. Well, God bless you guys. All right. It's Luke Jones. That's your biggest fan. What's that? It's Luke Jones. It's my roommate. He's your biggest fan. Well, hey, you guys, we, we don't have that time for another caller, so might as well end the show with you guys. <laughs> so I'm, how long have you guys been listening? All show. Or for like years. Oh, good. That means you're so smart. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> three three years I've been listening to you, Matt, on the radio. Oh, wow. I love you. Hey, man. Well, appreciate it. Appreciate it. You know, pray for this ministry. Pray for me and for unction and uh, to do the will of God, not my own. But pray for the expansion of this ministry and support. We need yes, it sir. as well. So I appreciate your support and uh, your prayers, man. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, God bless you guys. No, God bless you, Matt. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks.
And there's the music, so we're, we got to get going. All right, hey folks, that's a nice Friday, Friday the 13th, which I didn't tell you what that means and how it came out of Egypt, most probably. But nevertheless, on Monday, God's God willing, uh, you can give me a call then. And I hope you have a great weekend. Pray for Israel, pray for our churches, and pray for our country and even our leadership. The Lord bless you. God bless. Bye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.